Welcome to Cherry Beckett's GovCon podcast, where we discussed current government contracting trends, compliance matters, and best practices to guide federal contractors forward. I'm Craig Hunter, a partner with Cherry Beckett, and with me is John Carpenter, a principal in Cherry Beckett's Government Contractor Services Group. Today we are taking a look at the changes to the Veterans Preference Programs. Thanks for joining me, John. Craig, thank you. And for those companies who, over the years, have participated either as a veteran-owned business or a service-disabled veteran-owned business, you'll know that these programs, which have been around for a very long time, uh, have really had uh, two different masters of compliance. One resides at the SBA and the other resides at the Veterans Administration, the VA. And, And over the years, many companies who have participated have complained about the competing uh, compliance requirements from both VA and SBA. Well, the the National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA for fiscal 2017, uh, actually made an attempt to to streamline things and make it easier, and, and that act uh, placed all the regulatory compliance on SBA. And, and as of September of last year, the VA finally uh, issued some rules that that aligned requirements with SBA requirements. So, so there is an effort out there to to make the compliance burden easier and and more consistent across these two agencies. There were uh, there were a couple of, of fairly major changes that came out that I think uh, people would be interested in. <clears throat> One was the uh, the SBA. Uh, relaxed its rule on on what was considered unconditional ownership. Uh, SBA historically interpreted this rule to mean that any restrictions placed on the veteran owner, who had to be the majority owner of the company, could render the company ineligible to participate. And, And many business owners felt that the this restriction uh, really was was not in keeping with typical business practices where there are more than one owner uh, in the business. And so um, the, the final rule has relaxed that, and, and SBA has now agreed that it, that, uh, it will interpret certain, uh, certain rules in a shareholder agreement that allow the minority stakeholders to to vote on on extraordinary actions happening in the company uh, that not that does not necessarily disqualify the company from participating as a veteran-owned or a service-disabled veteran-owned business. John, can you give us some examples of some of these extraordinary actions? Good, good question. Um, let, let's start with what what probably is not considered extraordinary actions. Uh, and and these are not necessarily black and white, but the typical bidding and and entering into contracts. If you're a government contractor, that's routine, so that would not be considered extraordinary. Entering into routine leases, buying small pieces of equipment, <clears throat> uh, you know, perhaps renewing a line of credit. That's probably not an extraordinary action, but things like making an acquisition or divesting a line of business or setting up a new line of business, uh, buying out a partner uh, or an owner, 
certainly something as draconian as filing for bankruptcy uh, would be a major decision. So, so I think those are the kinds of things that SBA is thinking would, would fall under that umbrella of extraordinary actions. Um, now, the, uh, before you get too excited thinking that all the changes in the rules uh, worked in favor of the owners of veteran-owned businesses, uh, we've certainly found one that probably does not work that way, and that is that uh, uh, the SBA now wants to see that the veteran owner uh, can, in fact, demonstrate that they are meeting a, a standard of day-to-day management. And so uh, it has been written in there that veterans who, who cannot demonstrate that they are working at the company during normal business hours and that perhaps they're not even located uh, within a reasonable commuting distance of company headquarters may be presumed to, to not be uh, in control of the business. <clears throat> now, we can all probably think of examples where we've seen true absentee owners, and, and SBA certainly is not looking to certify a business where the owner is indeed absentee. But in today's work environment, there are also many situations where the owner may live in one city and a lot of the work is done in another, and the owner is telecommuting. Uh, they may be online through you know, online even through video conferencing for much of the day. And they could, uh, I think, successfully argue that they are uh, just as involved in day-to-day management as if they were sitting in the office physically. Uh, so so this, this change in the rule, uh, which can be rebutted, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how this is applied and enforced by SBA because it, it does seem to run counter to a lot of just the, the basic trends in workplace uh, behavior that are going on today. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It will probably lead to, uh, to some disputes from time to time, so we'll, we'll follow that. Great, John. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Well, Craig, thank you, and we'll look forward to everyone uh, tuning into one of our future podcasts.